seeking collaborations with influential people. At GZPR, we create passion-fueled collaborations that go beyond traditional representation, a performance agency that onboards new clients every month. Our focus is on POC collaborations. Contact us now at hellogzpr.com, a self-aware public relations agency exploring world perspectives with leading talents. Hello and welcome. My name is Tiffany Farag and welcome to Get to Know You, a podcast for those who want to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, where conversations can become stronger when we explore our thinking and behavior. Every Tuesday, a new question will be asked to a guest speaker. Genuine people here to have insightful conversations. If you're looking for a different thoughtful gift, check out the 11 proven ways to deepen all your relationships in 2023. Link in description. My guest speaker today is known for her magnetism, appetite for new places and pasta, and her ability to bring people together. She has prolayed these skills into a decade-long travel writing career, hosting memorable gatherings and her successful international writing retreat company, Trust and Travel. She is a polycontinental, a word she invented after living in and loving many different parts of the world, obsessed with baby gorillas, incredibly skilled at saying what she means, and writes prose that packs a gut punch. She never skies away from a dance party or an opportunity to dig out the truth. But most of all, she's entirely unafraid to be herself at all times. And this compass leads her to live and write with a kind of dexterity and integrity that the world needs more of right now. Jade's poetry, just like her wildly published travel essays, is a balancing act between pulling back the curtain to reveal brutal truths of being human and painting a picture so visceral you could climb inside of it. She's a storyteller at heart, and she believes in the power of shared experiences to create bridges between people. She's published in GQ Magazine, People, Passion Passport, Here Magazine, and more. Welcoming Zhaji Mayano to get to know you. Welcome, Zhaji. Thank you so much. Hello, hello. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. Tell us first about this incredible trust and travel retreat. Like, you know, we don't, you know, when I first came across it, writer's retreat, I thought it was like incredibly fascinating. And I was like, wow, what a great idea. Tell us a bit about it. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always loved learning and I don't have a formal education in writing, even though I work as a writer. So I'm always looking for ways to expand my knowledge and, you know, expertise on different subjects. And I was always looking for different classes and workshops to take. And I love traveling. So I was like, well, I wonder if there are some travel writing retreats out there that I could go on. And I searched, 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 and couldn't really find anything that felt right. Um, A lot of the retreats I was coming across felt a bit serious or a little, you know, kind of mountain destinations, cabins, just felt cold (laughs) and very academic. And I was just like, well, that's not really the vibe I'm going for. I kind of like something less serious, less strict, but also creative, a little more free. And I was just like, okay, I think I'm asking for too much. I'm not coming across anything like that. And I think that's when I identified the opportunity to perhaps create that thing, which I was searching for. And I 
you know, just had the feeling that I'm sure other writers are looking for the same thing because we all have solitary careers because writing is something you do by yourself. And I was like, I'm sure there's people out there that want a writing buddy. I'm sure there's people out there who want to go somewhere beautiful to write. I'm sure there are people who want to learn from people like them. So that's, yeah, that's how Trust and Travel came to be. I um, did, you know, what I could to kind of create the experience that I was looking for. I love that. That's that's beautiful. I like it. You didn't see it out there. You couldn't, you know, you were seeking it and you couldn't find it. So you're like, why don't I create it myself? So that's beautiful. <laughs> what about like, you know, for me, like I'm not great with my writing. I'm, you know, I, I try. I'm, you know, it's not a skill that I have. It's like it's a skill that I can work on and, and you know better. But is this other writers' retreats? Because that's my like maybe concern or not going to one. I like to me, it's like oh, it's only for writers and like people who really like are professional writers who write really well. Yeah, no, it's not actually. And that's one of our biggest precepts and things that we want people to know. We we even say it in our manifesto, like, come take a sit at our table. There is room for everybody. Our table's big. <laughs> we have space. You are already the writer that you want to be. You just need to draw that out. You know, we all have that seed planted inside of us. And it's for writers of all levels. And we love to keep it that way. Because we approach writing from almost a mindfulness and healing point of view. Um, as much as it's a creative practice, to us, it's also a way of getting to know yourself. It's a way of diving deep into your own process. And even if you're not publishing anything or if you're not write, uh, like working on any particular piece of writing, everyone has a story. And getting the stories out of people is some of the most fun and just exciting exercises that we can do regardless of whether you're a serious writer or not. And we also have several exercises and practices for people who aren't used to writing and to get them comfortable with with the with the practice. So I love yeah. that. That's great. It's accommodating for all. And I love that you said that we have a big table and there's a, there's a you know, there's a seat at the table for everybody, which I think is really important. So keep pulling chairs in always. I love that so much. What about like on this writer's retreat? I'm just curious, are people having to read what they write out loud for everyone to hear or you don't have to do that? We encourage that. You encourage we encourage that? that for sure, because we think that the biggest gift actually of, of, the, the biggest gift that we have is our ability to share our experiences because that's when you have the opportunity to have somebody be seen for the first time. You know, it's when you share something that you think is so personal and so private and then suddenly somebody goes like, oh, wow, me too. Thanks for sharing that. Like, wow, I didn't realize that there were other people in the world who felt the same way. And now suddenly it clicks and then people really start to relax and understand what the point of it is. And they come on retreat a little scared at first, but we create a really safe container. It's very intimate. It's very small. We do several kind of icebreakers to get people comfortable. I think the biggest part of the retreat process is just to make the space a space that you want to be at and that you feel really comfortable in. And classrooms don't do that. And I think that's the biggest point of difference, you know, a classroom, you have to kind of obey and you have to follow certain rules and standards and you have to be at a certain level to be in that classroom. A retreat is not like that at all. So 
by the end of it, everybody wants to share, actually. Oh, I love that so much. I love that you've created that space and that vibe and, and, and that environment for people to like want to read their work. And, and that's beautiful. And you're absolutely right. Like, you know, like being taught at schools and like, I wasn't really taught well. I have to say my English teachers were pretty like, sometimes they put you like, they're almost, they were just bad teachers. They, they made fun of your writing without teaching you what to do. I'm just like, it really put me off. Like I would say English was my worst subject and like writing because they used to like almost make fun of it and they didn't teach you the way to write and they just put you down for what you did. So that that's, I, I know where it stems from now. I like, I'm not using that as an excuse anymore, but I know I was afraid to even ask questions because it was made fun of. Like it, it was a strange, like teachers shouldn't do that, but they forget that, Hey, some of the students, cause most of the kids in there were white and Australian, like English kind of Australian, you know, I was one of the only like, you know, Egyptian, so I was bilingual, speaking Arabic at home. I didn't even know some words, English words for like until I was 13. Like I remember I was like, lettuce? What's lettuce? Because we don't <laughs> say lettuce at home. We what? say something else for like lettuce. Right. So, you know, things like that. But, um, but yeah, no, I like yeah, it's it's like people need to realize that when you're bilingual as well, your thinking and way you create or what the way you write is so different when you're translating languages or, you know, trying to um, express yourself. A hundred percent. And actually, you know, I had, I, I did not have the best experience in university and high school also because I'm not a native English speaker. But I've always liked writing and reading ever since I was really young, even in Portuguese before I moved to the States. And I had several English teachers kind of put me down, actually, or try to have me, you know, stay back and be in ESL classes. And it it was me who had to push myself to be kind of like, no, 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 I want to take the advanced ones. I'm like, I want to be in those courses. And they'll be like, no, sorry. And I'm like, give me the test. I want to take the test because I really think I should be in those classes. And then I've had I had teachers like ask me, did you ever take English 101? Like you're breaking all of the conventional rules of an essay. And I was just like, so what? <laughs> I like my story. Sorry, I like my story. <laughs> I like that. I, I love that. I love the way you write. Like, you know, I came across you just like looking at Instagram, like looking for different creators and think people that inspire me and the way you wrote. And absolutely, like you you wrote in a way that's like, wow, somebody like has the words and they describe it, like they're talking about something that resonates with me. And it's like, it, you know, to sometimes you don't have the words yourself and you're looking for them and you see someone else write something like that. That's exactly what you know, those were the words I was looking for. So, like, mm-hmm. you do have a special way of writing. Like, I could read, you know, I've read so many different things that you've written, and I recommend people to go. Go follow Jaji. She's amazing. Really go read what she writes, and the way she writes is very unique, and it's creative, and it captures your attention, and you can connect with it really well and resonate with it. So, I think, yeah, I think it's really it's really um, just your form of writing and, and the way you express yourself. I think um, you can really resonate with a lot of different types of people. Thank you. Yeah, go tell my teacher. It was the only thing and everything. <laughs> but it happens so much. Honestly, a lot of people come on retreat with that same experience. But they're, they're kind of afraid, you know, because they got put down in class or because they didn't get the grade that they were expecting on their essays and stories. And this is exactly what we do on retreat is to be kind of like, hey, forget about all of that. Forget about the rules and have a good time. Have fun. 
Um, so many of the things we teach actually kind of break away from foundations and structures. And even the lyrical essay, for example, is one of everybody's favorite classes that we teach is the lyrical essay. And the reason they love it is because they didn't know that you could write like that. We're being like, hey, here's an essay that kind of doesn't follow any rules. And here's a way to write that sounds just like you. And it's super informal. And it's kind of up and coming right now. You know, you could read articles in the New Yorker who are lyricals, like lyrical styled um, essays, which just are informal and unusual. And people didn't know that that was acceptable. We're like, no, no, this is acceptable now. You can break genre as long as you're not doing it just for the sake of it. Don't break genre just to break genre, but break genre because you have something that needs to be done differently for yourself. And then suddenly you're in this territory that is brand new and exciting because you can do whatever you want. That's beautiful. I'm going to try that out. I haven't tried that out myself. You're going to have to show me some things. And yeah, I want to try it. I want to try and change my, maybe I just, I, maybe I'm stuck in the form of writing in a way that I like, I know or what I've been taught and I don't know the ways of different ways to express myself i think i think maybe that's it i don't know i gotta go to your retreat speaking of you've got a retreat coming up yes we are going to sicily at the end of may that's awesome so listeners there's a retreat i think there's a spot left is there a spot left for somebody if they want it or are they all full we have two spots now um yeah we we have two spaces left and there's still opportunity if people want to come. It's in one of my very, very favorite places in the whole world. <laughs> this island outside of Sicily called Pantelleria. I was there last year and fell madly in love with it and said, I'm going to be coming here for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Starting now, we're going and I'm bringing people with me. I love that. When is it, What are the dates for this retreat? It's um, May 28th to June 3rd. Perfect. All right. Well, I'll put the link in description, listeners, if you want to join and go to this beautiful retreat. Yeah, I recommend it. <laughs> so do yeah. I. So do I. One-sided recommendation. <laughs> so, l- listeners, our question for this conversation and is how can self-awareness create a more meaningful community? When we mentioned this question, Jaji, what were the first things that came to your mind? It's a big question. Yeah, in terms of self-awareness, you know, I, I think that this is the whole reason that I do what I do in the first place with the retreats and with writing. It was the realization that, oh, I may not fit in if I continue to try to do things the way other people are doing. And do I want to give up my identity and my way of expressing myself so that I can be accepted? And I was just like, no, actually, I don't. Um, I may not, you know, make it to the creative writing masters at Columbia, but I'm going to start my own creative writing company and I'm going to teach myself and hopefully start to attract more like-minded people because ultimately through this level of learning and investing in getting to know my own unique style, I'm connecting with people who are so much more in alignment in terms of how they want to learn, the things that they want to learn, and even the the upbringings. Like people that do things the way that I do have similar upbringings. Like we come from other countries. We speak 
four languages, you know, and it's hard to write like an American when you speak four languages and there's a crossfire there. It's complicated. So I think self-awareness is the, the, the one thing that helps you remember what's important to you and why you should stick to what you know, you know, and lean into the story that's yours and not someone else's. And then with that, you start to attract people that resonate and vibrate at the same frequency as you do. That's beautiful. I like that. I like that you were aware of what you needed, what you, who you are. You're learning more about yourself, your internal self-awareness. I think to break it down for people a little bit, there are your self-awareness is made of your internal and your external self-awareness. So internal is where you've, you're questioning things about you, what you, you know, what's resonating with you, understanding your thinking, you know, why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why did you say this? Why didn't you say that? But your external self-awareness comes from behaviors that you're actually you know that you're not aware of that you that you portray out there for people to see and the way your external self-awareness grows is when someone that you trust and that you have like you know it could be anyone your friend family whoever someone you trust who you know has your best interests at heart addresses or points out that behavior to you and but focuses on that behavior they're not trying to interpret the behavior but they point it out so when you're Mm -hmm. able to be more receptive to feedback as well. You're able to really grasp and and kind of um, make your whole, like be completely self-aware. Just for the listeners though, definition of self-awareness, because a lot of people don't know this, just for, just for listeners, just for this kind of conversation. Well, let me just tell you. So the definition of self-awareness is the ability to see ourselves clearly, to understand who we are, how others see us and how we fit into the world around us. So how others see our behaviors. So this is this is what the the, the definition that we work with. Now I mentioned this to you before. Self-awareness is actually a rare quality. Why do you think it's so rare? Why do you think a lot of people are not self-aware? That's such a good question. And I don't know if I'm self-aware enough to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that. I think a lot of people think they're more self-aware than they actually are. And I think that's kind of the trick here um, is that I, I feel that perhaps people feel like they already are self-aware and therefore they don't need to look further into themselves. They're like, no, I know myself really well and I understand what I'm doing and I don't need, I don't need to explore this any further, you know, but the truth is that, it's an exploration that never ends. And I think it's like a commitment for, for life of understanding yourself in different situations um, around different types of people. Absolutely. The, the whole openness to feedback part is also something that so many of us struggle with. And it's incredibly people are too scared to hurt each other's feelings. Like if you say, if you put out, you know, people are like, can you give me your honest feedback? Maybe behind your back, they're happy to, to say what they, what they really think doesn't mean they have to say anything bad or be like take you know be personal but to your face they may maybe keep it light i'll be like oh it's just good or you know however that is but most a lot of people even your best friend yeah we were also raised we were also raised hearing people tell us you shouldn't care what people think of you Mm. How many times have you heard that? Like, absolutely. Don't compare yourself to others. You shouldn't care what people think of you. And like, yes, absolutely. But there is an element of you should care how you're perceived because 
we have blind spots, you know what I mean? And we can, we, we see ourselves that the way we see ourselves is only really a percentage of how our energy manifests itself out there. Absolutely. You're exactly, absolutely. You're exactly right. Like there's, there's so much research to show that like people, like there's so many studies out there. There's one particular lady, her name's Dr. Tasha Urich. She studies self-awareness and this, she collated all the studies together into like this one big book. And, um, they didn't on th- ten th- tens of thousands of people. And they, they really, it shows that, you know, a lot of people, like you mentioned earlier, they think they're self-aware and they don't really see, you know, people, no one tells them anything or they, you know, like we mentioned, it's like a fear of don't care about what anyone thinks or like I'm right, everyone else is wrong. And we're not really encouraged to to um, to really point out specifics of, you know, the way someone may be, just it's not even like I think even in you know with friendships and things like that if things were like start they start off on that kind of level it's it's you're able to and friends were honest but it, it, it if we really look at the the on a smaller level of it all you have to have really good friends first like you know you have to establish those real authentic genuine friendships where people do have your best interests at heart there's no jealousy there's no you know this is this is the issue with that it's like if you're if you have an inability to make good connections and have solid real genuine friendships uh where people really care and have your back and there's no jealousy there's no all of that other stuff that's only when you can actually uh, be receptive or where someone's val- points about you, about your behavior specifically are valid. hundred um, percent. And there's also, you know, the workplace, that's a whole other, whole other place where your self-awareness come into play. But I think what you are saying goes with the whole point from before that people are uncomfortable with the notion of self-awareness or perhaps don't have as much interest in it because it's hard. It's very confronting, you know, to have to look at yourself that way. And even, even the thought that, Oh, I have to have authentic friendships in order to understand myself. If you don't have authentic friendships to begin with, that's already, you know, signaling to perhaps there, you, maybe there's a little bit of work in there for you to do. Um, but I, I know so many people who kind of just keep to themselves and don't see the lack of social interactions or the lack of affinity f- with others to imply that perhaps there is something wrong inside or perhaps there is something that could be looked at and shifted. Um, most people just don't want to see it. So it's complicated. <laughs> it is. It is. It's really complicated. There's this other study. This is a really interesting one. This is for, we're not, we're, I'm going to point this study out. I hope the listeners can understand. It's just a study. No one's, we're not from this culture, but it's just a study. So there's a, a study done in the US by US people on tens and thousands of college students. And it was done from like the 1980s to 2006. And in this study, they show, it showed that there's been an increase in self-obsession and narcissism. It's been increased to 30%. In the US, I'm sure if the study was done in other cultures, they'll find some similarities. So we're just specifically talking about this one culture. And 
there's just an, been an increase in self-obsession. I know when a lot of general other cultures mention the US, we all, you know, a lot of people uh, will say that people in the US are self-obsessed. I'm not saying that everybody in the US is self-obsessed, but there are generations that are self-obsessed, usually junk, younger generations. I have friends with people who are in, older, some in their 40s and 50s and so on, and they're not self-obsessed. But I understand that the with this study that the the self-obsession came from parents so <laughs> it's funny parents giving their f- children names that were really different so when parents oh. were making their children feel unique <laughs> but unique to a point that they're so different and it wasn't about love people think oh my child's self-obsessed because i'm giving them so much love no love they there's studies that show uh, uh, there's no such thing as too much love if you love that people are more independent, more self-aware, all of that. That's two different things. Self-obsession is like you're making a kid feel super unique, that they're like so different, so special, to a point where now people who have depression, anxiety, or mental health problems, or think in different ways or forms, they think, oh, my thoughts are strange. I'm weird. There's something wrong with me. And they're not realizing, no, everybody has these thoughts. Everybody feels this way. I've heard and had conversations with people where they think, I'm weird. I'm strange. There's something wrong with me, me, you know, where they don't know because they haven't maybe had conversations or they don't have friends or or they don't talk with people about their feelings. They don't realize that there's the it's you know, most people are thinking and feeling and saying the same things in their minds and and they're not realizing that you're it's unfortunately <laughs> you're not unique in that way. Like you need to realize that us humans have so much more similarities. So much more similarities. So if people can stop you know, can go to therapy, can, you know, have more of these conversations and realize that these feelings and thoughts are, you know, human, mm-hmm. that that they will shift out of that self-obsession and more into self-awareness. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that also, you know, there's a big aspect of us, I guess, our generation, and even the generations before us, there's the, this conditioning that we are born with. We are not born in a system that encourages self-awareness. It's the opposite. It encourages obedience. And obedience means don't question, don't look around, don't try to get under, don't get, don't, don't get under, this is a Portuguese way of saying something to get like, to don't live on the tapete, like don't lift the rug, don't look under. Ah, Yeah, 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 I get you. It's more, it's more kind and especially because if you're Brazilian, for example, you're from a very Catholic society, you know, we have such strict upbringings. You wouldn't think, but there's a lot of strictness and a lot of rule following and Catholic education. And um, you're not really encouraged to question or to grow spiritually, intellectually, to push the boundaries of the box you're born into. And with that, I think comes the crisis that we're in too, is that people have been so contained and so constricted that people are trying to just desperately break free from that. And technology has allowed them to do that without having to do much. You know, you can break free without having to be that rebellious. You actually only have to go on your phone and post selfies that 
you'd get in trouble four or five years ago, but now you don't get in trouble anymore because everyone does it. <laughs> but you're not thinking about, you know, is that what you really want to be doing with your time? Is that how you want to assert yourself as a human? Is that what your biggest value prop is to the world? Most people just don't know. And I don't even think it's their fault. I think it's structurally. Um, we, the world doesn't want us to question things. <laughs> they don't want us self-aware. Can you imagine a world full of self-aware? <laughs> You're be absolutely good. right. I think it would be amazing, but what would happen to Oh the my old- God, it'd be so good. I would love it. But yeah, they don't want us self-aware. They do not want that. No, they don't. And you're absolutely right. They've they've conditioned us. Society's conditioned us. The and they're still trying to condition us in media, in many different ways and forms, and different cultures. And you, you know, I didn't know that the Brazilian culture is quite strict. I know that you know Middle Eastern cultures are quite strict, and and other cultures like that. Oh, but... Catholic, so intense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're absolutely right. Like religion, and like we're not, you know, it, it can not saying religion's bad or anything, but you know, there's some restrictions maybe for people's thought, depending on the religion or or their upbringing. It can even be maybe you have a flexible family who's open to question different things in in religion, and maybe you don't. So yeah, you're absolutely, yeah, absolutely right there. Like with people, with it's not people's fault. There's lots of reasons why. Uh, people are not self-aware or self-obsessed or, you know, they don't know or they're seeking, you know. My other theory too is maybe um, in the US with that study or something that the people are focused on television. Like, you know, for us in Australia, we get we watch American or t- American TV shows and series and we look at it as like that's acting, that's not real. But for the American people growing up, they're like, well, how am I meant to behave or how am I meant to deal with things? So they watch movies and shows and they think that that's how people behave or that's yeah. how people are. So, you know, it's contributing. Where are people meant to get their information from? How are people meant to learn how to be, how to how to deal with a conflict, how to deal with a, uh, a friendship, how to deal with, you know, uh, many different situations, a work conflict or whatever it is. They look for it. They, they seek it out elsewhere. They seek it in – the easiest thing is to seek it in television and movies. You're not going to sit there trying to question things within yourself or trying to sit there researching uh, books, you know, at, at, at the young age. A lot of – you're going to look at it on – on television you're going to watch other people do it around you and that's where you're going to get your information from so you you know unless you have this mindset of growth and research and so on which most people don't have you know you're going to take what you get that what's given to you yeah and there's an element of rebelliousness in this whole quest for self-awareness it's about going so against the norm unfortunately you know growth and personal development unfortunately requires a lot of groundbreaking behavior (laughs) and it gets really bad before it gets good that's a really great point and and (laughs) that really resonates with me right now before you become fully self-aware and happy with where you are you go through a lot of crap (laughs) you go through a lot of crap you go through a real like really you go through a lot and it's absolutely right like especially when you're from like cultures that are really strict like we have to go against so much genetic patterns that were like that are instilled in us and that we have to really push hard against and push back from and a lot of some people who are from more maybe western cultures or like you know that they don't understand that and it's like there's a lot you have to push up against and stand up to that you know it's quite difficult when you're in strict households and things to be able to you know just to even make people realize that 
you know, maybe this is not what I've been brought up to believe. You're not trying to convince your maybe your family, but you have to, you're trying to make them see that this is not for you. It's not aligning with you. It's not who you are, and it, it's hard for for it's hard. It's really really hard to do that because it's lonely. It is lonely. It, you know, before you get to a place where you're self-aware and you're attracting all these wonderful people into your life, you go to a place of like, oh, I'm losing all my friends because I've become self-aware. Or like, oh, I may lose my job because I've become self-aware. And now I know that I don't relate to this way of thinking anymore. Or I don't like the way that this company operates anymore. Or the things my friends stand for don't work I mean, how many people lost all their friends during the pandemic? Because for the first time in your life, you got to have serious political conversations with people that you lived with, but you didn't know, had these horrible views of the world. And like, you're like, oh, shoot, my best friend is a racist. Damn it. Like, I never would have known because we don't even have the opportunity to have these conversations in today's world. So requires a lot of rebellion and a lot of isolation. The, the most liberating and amazing thing ever. <laughs> Absolutely. And hence why a lot of people aren't going to do it. The thing is, too, no, it's like no. your, your self-awareness is a road that you have to choose to take and choose to stay on. And a lot of people aren't on the road. And a lot of people uh, have, don't realize. And, you know, the thing, too, is like, you know, there are three groups. Even if you're self-aware, too, like if you're someone like, yeah, I'm quite self-aware or, you know, maybe you are. I'm not saying you're not. But don't try and make someone else self-aware. You, you can't do that. You know, some people are trying to do that. Try, even for me, like I get frustrated sometimes with people like, how are you saying that? How are you not aware of what's, what's coming out of your mouth? Sometimes you try and explain. You try and push it. You try and explain a number of times. But some people, unfortunately, are a lost cause. Some people are a lost cause. They are. And some people too, you know, like some people know what they're saying or know what they're doing. It's like, yeah, I did that. And? And they validate it. So they know they're aware enough to know that, the, but they're not aware enough to know that they shouldn't do that. So it's like, and but there are some people who want to be self-aware, who maybe are nudgeable. Like maybe you have friends who are like, okay, you can nudge them. They're open to listening. They're open. They trust you enough to want to hear your opinion. They're not going to be defensive or rude. So there are some people like that. But there are most, a lot of people who are lost causes and other people who are aware but don't care. That's that's the truth of it. I think like... Yeah, that's unfortunate. So I think like with, with your road to self-awareness, like really, really, it's something that, you you know, you can't make anybody see something. Maybe you can share a perspective, raise a question or so on. But if people aren't uh, going, you know, understanding or, or seeing something from, an, you know, it's not your, not your, in your hands to navigate for them. They have to like um, do that themselves if they want to, if they choose to. Yeah, and most people are not interested, and that's also okay. You know what I mean? I feel like all you can do is be the the best version of yourself, and even the people who think they're self-aware, they're probably not as, you know, like I'm constantly learning every day, and I'm probably not self-aware, actually. I probably think that I am, and at least I, but I'm trying. (laughs) I try. The good thing is that you're trying and that you're open to it. You're open to hearing perspective and these kinds of things. So some, there are some like uh, ways, I know a lot of people point out journaling. I'm just going to mention some ways people can maybe help themselves become more self-aware. So some things that you can do, a lot of people think, oh, journaling every day, but actually there was, there were, you know, they, there were studies that showed that people who journal every day don't actually become more self-aware. It's more a matter of journaling when you need to. 
journal, write when you need to, write when there's something that needs to come out, not mm-hmm. I have to write every day. Absolutely. And I know someone who can share that. Yeah. I mean, one of the ways that I like to incorporate journaling into my life, and this is something that I also teach on retreats or help try to encourage people to do as much as possible, is like, you may not have anything to say right now, but getting to the page every day as a practice is a really wonderful kind of commitment to the self, the the, the path, the path to self-awareness. And you may not have anything to say right now, but... I like to set a timer and write for a specific amount of time, no matter whether you feel that you're done or not. Mm-hmm. And perhaps 20 minutes, you know, and most people get to 10 and think they're like through with it. They're like, no, I'm done. I really have nothing to say, but here's my timer and I'm not supposed to stop. So I guess I'll just keep writing. And by the time they get to 12, 15 minutes, they're on fire and then they're not done at 20 anymore. They're like, oh my God, my brain just opened <laughs> up and I have all these ideas. And it's amazing what happens when you go, when you push yourself past that limit, when you think that, you know, I have nothing to say today or my brain is not working or like I'm nothing special is going on. It's like, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have anything special going on. Just commit to those 20, maybe it's 15, whatever you want it to be. But it's beautiful to see what happens at the other side of your barrier of like, can't do it anymore, but going to keep doing it because I said I would. And I'll suddenly you're writing, you know, the best opening paragraph of your life without even knowing that you just did that. <laughs> That's so cool. I like that. I like that you put yourself like you, you did that. And, and uh, it's interesting how what happens after just a few minutes more. And then, you know, it, it, it's it revelatory. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. The other thing too, so the people who they found that are really self-aware, they did something. 70% of them practiced mindful meditation. Hell yeah, they, they do. Pra- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be lost without it. I don't even know what would have happened to me. Probably yeah. would have died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like I know a lot of people like it. You know, med- your meditation or your form of meditation can be different, but mindful meditation, mindfulness is not meditation. People need to understand that. Mindfulness is one thing, meditation is another. But mindful meditation together is something else. It's like there's different types of meditation, like Vipassana, like all kinds of meditation. But people who, yeah, who were more self-aware, 70% of them, not all of them, practice mindful meditation, which I thought was good. You know, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense because yeah. all, I mean, the biggest benefit of meditation is the space that it creates in your head for you to see things for what they are. That's it. Meditation, a lot of times, is just about seeing things for what they are. Vipassana means insight, and it's that's exactly it. What does the world look like exactly for what it is? And yeah. we don't get to do that when we're busy and running around and being crazy and talking and getting up and immediately going onto Instagram and drinking three cups of coffee before we even put anything in our stomach. We're just like, whoa, 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 calm down. How are you supposed to see things for what they are? <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. I like how I saw like um, when I went to the the Dharma Saka here in, in, in Spain, because I did the, the the silent meditation retreat, the Vipassana. I like the, I took the magazine at the end of the day where it says Vipassana is self-purification through introspection. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what it felt like. I yeah, liked it's that. Beautiful. It's my favorite, actually. It's really nice. Yeah. 
So I mentioned earlier, and I think people were like, oh, what is she talking about? That there's internal and external self-awareness. So when we talk about internal self-awareness, that's your inward understanding of your values, your passions, your aspirations, ideal environment, your patterns, reactions, and impact on others. And your external self-awareness is understanding yourself from the outside in. That is knowing how other people see you. So I actually did this with a friend three years ago. So... This is a thing that you should all do. If you want to grow your external self-awareness, because I'm, I'm sure maybe some of you are focused on your internal, try this with somebody. So you know someone really well. Like say someone comes to mind who you're, you know, there's mutual trust. You both, uh, you know, you have your best interests at heart. They have your best interests at heart. You have their best, best interests at heart. You, um, you, before you do it, you want to know how deep you want to go with them. You're in the and in the moment that you do it, you need to be both be open minded. So it's like you need to be in that mental state. So it's like, hey, so and so, let's have lunch today, or let's have, let come over for dinner. I really want to do this thing with you. You know, are you in the frame of mind to do this with me? So make sure you're both in the in the right frame of mind, and you want to make sure that you're asking like when someone points out a behavior in you, you like get clarify things. Make sure, like, find out exactly what they're talking about. And the other thing, too, is if you're the person pointing out the behavior in your friend or whoever, like, whoever you're trusting to do it with, make sure that you're specific to the behavior. Don't point out the whole personality and don't generalize. Don't say, you do this all the time. No. <laughs> you need to point out the behavior with an example. <laughs> which will help you because some people do that. It's like, this is how you are always. This is what you say or this is what you do always. I always see you do this. So it's like that that opens the floor for like defensiveness. You're not going to have a good conversation through that. And when I did this with my friend, she pointed out, some, you can actually listen to this. It's on the podcast, episode two, if you want to listen, listen. <laughs> but uh, we had some, we had wine. We had some glasses of wine together and we did it. And it was actually really enjoyable and we did it fresh. So we didn't pre-tell each other what we were going to point out. We just did it did it like that. And it went really well. I've done this with friends before. Just when, you know, at like four in the morning when everybody's just coming back from the party and we're home and we're like, okay, I guess we must part ways. And then we're like, no, no, let's let's sit and talk a little bit more. Let's have a little bit of mezcal. And then and then it starts like, you know, you know what I love about you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't love so much. I swear <laughs> to God that I've had this. I've had these things. And um yeah, I hear a lot of the same feedback from people that I'm too opinionated. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to be better. <laughs> I don't think it's a bad thing. You could share your opinion, but it doesn't mean like I think it's like people who are maybe opinionated, but they always say something bad about somebody or something like that. That's different. But if you're sharing your opinion, I don't think I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, I think too, like when you, like a lot of people think that, oh, I need to point out a negative behavior in my friend. No, sometimes your friends don't know their good behaviors and the good things that are like, you know, how they are. Like people people aren't aware of their good qualities either. So it's you can have these kind of conversations and point out good things. It doesn't have I to. I swear to God that my best, my closest friends in my life and I, we do this without trying. We just have that relationship. I was on the phone with my friend yesterday, I think for two hours last night. And I got, it got to a point where I said to her, I'm just like, yeah. And she was just going on and on about something that she was venting about, you know, and telling me, she's like, oh, can't believe this happened. And I was just like, 
babe, you've been like that for 10 years. And she was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no, no, 10. And I was like, yeah, ever since I've known you, it's always, it, it's been like that since I've known you. She's like, oh, whoa, no way. <laughs> and it was yeah, pretty amazing yeah. that I just told her and she was just like, holy shit, I had no idea. Okay, wow. I got to figure this out. And I was like, yeah, you do. No worries. I got you. <laughs> it's easy when you have people that you love because yeah. they know you you got their back. You're not doing this because you're trying to. No, you're not trying to hurt them. No. You're not coming at you. It's the opposite. Exactly. I want to I wanna help you grow. I want to grow together, you know? Exactly. Absolutely. You know, the other thing too, when they mentioned, like, if you ever want to do this with somebody. Oh, even if you're doing it in a workplace, and you, you know you're going to get some feedback because it's like feedback day or whatever. They they say that self-affirmations actually work, work best when you're about to get kind of threatening feedback that you think is going to be threatening. So yeah. if you go into the mirror before you're about to do this or before you're about to get feedback at work or whatever, and you say things about yourself that you think, you know what, I am, I am, you know, I am intelligent or whatever you want to say to yourself. I am whatever. I am really good at my work. I'm passionate. I'm whatever, whatever you want to say to yourself and the affirmations that make you feel good. I'm confident, blah, blah, blah. Do it before you're about to get like threatening kind of feedback or you feel like, or or before you do this exercise and it actually will help you be less defensive and more open to hearing and be more chilled actually like in the or you can just do it all the time so when it comes at you unexpectedly <laughs> you're ready to exactly it. exactly that's even better exactly <laughs> when it comes at you unexpectedly then it, it doesn't you know it doesn't hurt so yeah no it's uh i think like look it, all of these things are quite uh you know they're not it, they're not easy but if you're somebody that wants to go onto this path and it's something that you that you uh, you know you really want to be on and 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 the thing too is if you're on the path of self awareness and personal development it's like you're on it for life I don't think I've heard of anybody go back have you no we we'll go back to where I don't know where did you <laughs> go <laughs> exactly this you just you can't you're just like no I need to I need to do this it's like you're on it for life yeah it right gets better and better. Exactly. It gets better and better. But some daily check-ins that a lot of people can do is like, I think some people do. I think you do this. Like, if you have, do you ask yourself, like, what went well today? Like, at the no, end of the day. No, my therapist does. She does it for me. Thank she God. asks you. Oh, that's like, good. She's like, okay, so what went well today? And I was just like, oh, I feel like I'm in kindergarten. But <laughs> yeah, sure. they're really simple questions, but they really work. They're really effective. Do you also ask what didn't go well today or do you leave that one out? She does. <laughs> okay, that's good because that's a good one too. <laughs> that's a good one too. But these like daily check-ins and things like, you know, what did I learn? Like how could I like go forward next time? What's something that I need to work on? Like these are the kinds of questions that they find people who have like a higher self-awareness, like ask themselves daily. Like it's something they, they do naturally. So it's like – you know, what, what am I aligned with my like life right now? Like I did this pod, I had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was about like how do we gain resilience and it was with my, with my friend Lynn and she was talking about how she she had breast cancer last year. It was a rare aggressive cancer and through the treatment, you're on a, sitting on a chair to six, seven hours having chemo and she started asking like, you know, what makes my life feel good? Like what, what, what? 
what do I want to do that get me to get me, you know, out of bed every day? Like what, like she, she created a project. She had a project during that time. Her husband was like, what are you doing? You're having chemo treatment. But she's like, no, I need to do, I need to do something. Let me create something. And that's her mindset that helped her like go. And, and she's, you know, fi- figuring out, asking herself questions that made her, you know, what's enriching my life. What, what, you know, these are the important questions that people need to like, how do I want to be living every day? It's not like have an end goal. Like people realizing it's not a matter of an end goal anymore. It's like, what do I want to do every day? Like, how do I want to spend my day? You know, these are the questions you want to ask. Yeah, I have um, I have this thing that I love saying to people. It's just like, hey, you get to wake up in the morning and decide who the fuck you're going to be. <laughs> and it's so true. It's so incredible to be like, I I get to wake up today and decide how I want to show up. I get to decide who I'm going to be. I'm, I get to choose to be the kindest person that I know, or I can choose to be super generous and I'm going to choose to be happy. And yeah, sometimes you're just not, and that's okay. But you can also choose to just take a day off of that and be like, today, I'm not going to be happy because I'm actually sad. <laughs> yeah. And I need to let out my emotions. Great. Let's have a sad day, you know? Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't, it has to be like, like that. Absolutely right. You get to wake up and be like, okay, you know, what do I, you know, how do I want to be today? What do I, who do I want to be today? You know, And days that I don't do that, I swear to God that I have more antsiness and anxiety in my day when I wake up without awareness. So typically the wake up, the, the, the morning practice is so important of like you wake up you drink your tea and you meditate for me. If I don't do that, I derail. Mm. And I derail a lot. <laughs> I derail a lot. There are days that I'm just like, oh, no, not today. Hungover or like woke up late, just going to run out the door. And I'm a different person that day. And it's it's crazy. You, you get to see. I'm like, okay, I just chose that I'm... <laughs> Today I woke up and I chose that I was going to run out the door and now I'm paying the price, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. So that's your routine. You have a bit, you have some tea and you meditate in the morning. Yes. And you, that helps you gain alignment. And I play, I play Indian uh, raga and I burn incense in my house. Yeah. Um, and I don't like to talk to anybody for a long time after I wake up. Nice. I like that as well. <laughs> I'm also the same. I'm like, you know, with my housemates, I just like they're they're like Tiff in the morning. You just like nod when you're like, you know, you're in the until you like have your cup of coffee or until like you do your thing. I'm like, yeah, I'm just silent for a bit and then then I'll start talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're the same. So this conversation's been really lovely. I really enjoyed it. I really like, um, yeah, I like how we where we went with it. I like what we brought up and the the different kind of you know. There's lots of there's lots to it. This question's a big question, and it's not something simple, and it's hard to like gain self awareness and create self aware communities. I think for us to get to you know be part of communities that are self aware, that's a huge thing. I can't wait for that to happen. But we really need to start with ourselves and 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 go from there. So, um. At the end of every conversation, I love to ask the guest speakers, how has the conversation with me right now made you reflect or highlight anything to you? Uh, you know, I <laughs> I just keep thinking of, of more things that I want to add. And that's also made me realize that I don't always have to say more than what is said. <laughs> 
And there's that. There's something that I just noticed now that I tend, I, I like to just keep going and just talk a lot and unpack and unpack and unpack and just like go all the way in. I'm like, no, it's actually really nice to just sit back and listen and let them ask you the questions, respond to what was asked. Like you don't have to lead. It's really nice to also be in the receiving end. Um, Definitely this conversation made me feel like it's lovely to just sit back and let somebody see you and ask you questions and, you don't always have to be pushing things forward with a lot of energy, you know. Is that, do, you, do you find yourself that kind of person in your? Oh my god, I'm I'm a, I'm a pusher. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you felt like that you could relax and like you know just have a back and forth and nice and chilled, and you didn't feel like you have to feel, you know, just you know fillers, put some fillers in there, and I like that you felt good in the conversation. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's. You know, so many of these questions open so many doors. And I think that's part of why I feel like, oh, my God, look how much we can do with this. <laughs> but it's also really nice to just take it in stages and keep learning, you know. Yeah, there's, so absolutely. Much, there's so much to learn. So absolutely. Much. This question like this, like we mentioned so many things and I'm like, OK, we need to make all these other questions now to have all these other podcasts about them. <laughs> Like that's the, it was just like the basis, like the intro podcast for this question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in terms of communities that, you know, the whole point of self-awareness and communities is that like, if you want better people around you, you just have to become a better person. And that is so major to commit to that in your life. It's very easy to be like, oh, I don't like anybody here or, oh, I don't have any good friends or like, oh, this sucks or da, da, da. it's just like, well, become better and that's going to change. And it's so hard. So I have a lot of empathy for everybody that's trying to do that right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point. Yeah, just, just you know, it's hard to to be self-aware and be and work on yourself and be better and, and put the work in. It's hard with so many other things going on or in everyone's lives and, you know, there's so many things happening in people's lives and things that you don't know. So, yeah, I have a lot of, you know, empathy for everybody that we're all trying to better ourselves. And, and yeah, you will, like, I, I honestly feel this as well. Like, you do gravitate towards or people come into your life who align with you more and and you cross paths with people and, you know, you find people who, like, you're like, oh, wow, this person really resonates with me or what they do or whatever. Like, you know, I came across your Instagram. I don't know. It popped up on my feed. Like, <laughs> and now we're having a podcast. So it's like that. And, yeah, yeah and, and you cross paths in the street in, like, different so many places I've come into contact with people and, and you're like, wow, this person really aligns with like, you know, where we have the same thought process or we, you know, they align with me or they're on this road of self-awareness and personal development. And, but it definitely, definitely, definitely starts with, with you as a person. But yeah, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be here and thank you for what you do. Thank you. Where can people find you? Where can people find travel writers? Traveling, right. yeah, right. Well, traveling. Traveling. <laughs> Getting in different corners of the world. You can find me in a different country every two months. Um, wondering why I'm in a different country. <laughs> but I am, physically right now, I am in Lisbon. 
loving Portugal. And I think the easiest way to find me is online because the rest is unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'll tag all of that, all the Instagrams for your your page. And um, and yeah, guys, go check out the work and go to the retreats and read this, these beautiful words. I, yeah, thank you. You're thank welcome. You. Thank you for listening to Get to Know You. If you enjoyed this podcast, rate, review, and share the podcast on Facebook or Instagram. You can tag me at Get to Know You Podcast. In my mission to open conversations and access deeper dialogue, I want to hear from you listeners. The question again, how can self-awareness create a more meaningful community? Leave an audio, video, or a message on the Facebook or Instagram page of your response to today's question, including your name and where you are from. We'll include some different responses in next week's Get to Know You Cafe to further deepen dialogue on this topic. If you have any topics you would like us to discuss, be sure to tag me to post your question. Join us every Tuesday on Get to Know You.